Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestein tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. It's the Friday edition, Outkick, the coverage. Appreciate all of you waking up with us across the country and coming to hang out as you prepare to roll into the weekend. And obviously, as we roll into the weekend, there are a couple different things out there that that are worth discussing, and almost all of them have to do with the AFC and the NFC title game. And so I've been thinking a lot about these games over the course of the past couple of days. I've been sitting around trying to decide how I'm going to gamble on them, what picks I like, and I'll give those to you in hour three. Not that I've been on that much of a roll when it comes to betting on the NFL playoffs, especially last weekend when I had the Saints uh, plus, uh, plus five and ended up getting a push on that crazy ending. But I'm also thinking what is the best outcome for the NFL and for fans. And my easy read here is that we need the Patriots and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl desperately in order for that game to be relevant in a couple of weeks. But then also the other side of me thinks if the Patriots aren't there, then it gives hope to pretty much every other NFL team. Because if your team has a crappy to mediocre quarterback and even has a quarterback injury, maybe they could still make the playoffs. And then maybe they could still advance in the playoffs to the Super Bowl. By which I mean, of the four teams remaining right now, three of them have what would be the worst quarterback situation to make a Super Bowl since Brad Johnson and uh, Rich Gannon played back in the, I believe it was the 2003 Super Bowl. That's the worst matchup in the 21st century on both sides at the quarterback position. Rich Gannon versus 
good old, nobody's going to put him in the Super Bowl, but man, he made the Tampa Bay people happy, Brad Johnson. So if you think about that, every year since then has effectively been won, the Super Bowl has, by a guy who's either a surefire, first ballot, no-nonsense Hall of Famer, or is perpetually debate whether or not he's a really good quarterback in Joe Flacco. The worst quarterback to win a Super Bowl since all the way back in 2003 is Joe Flacco. And frankly, Joe Flacco's postseason record is incredible. But he's the worst quarterback since 2003 to win the Super Bowl. And frankly, the worst matchup since 2003 between quarterbacks in the Super Bowl was Joe Flacco against Colin Kaepernick. And so it's possible, and I don't think it's very likely, but with the hand injury and uh, the continuing uh, drama about how much of an impact that might be, it's possible we could get Blake Bortles versus Nick Foles or Case Keenum. Now, I'm not excited about that prospect, but I do think it would at least kill the narrative which has existed for roughly 15 years of you have to have an elite-level quarterback in order to get to the Super Bowl, probably, and certainly in order to win it. And it might also kill the Patriots' dynasty because then as you enter the 2018 football season, a lot of people, myself included, might think, okay, is 41-year-old Tom Brady still, alongside of Bill Belichick, the presumptive favorite to win another title? Because if the Patriots lost at home to the Jags, it would be a significant blow to their overall resume as we enter 2018. Now, I still think they'd probably be favored, but there would at least be some more questioning, especially if Brady didn't play very well. All of that really kind of rushing around as we come up on the Sunday games, the AFC and the NFC title game. We also have to toss in that the NFL is in the midst of an absolute collapse in viewership. This past weekend, the divisional round playoff games, there were three great games. Three games that went right down to the wire. Falcons-Eagles, Matt Ryan's throwing into the end zone. The ball is literally just barely going through Julio Jones' hands. Otherwise, the Falcons probably win that game. We know about how incredible and improbable the ending was for Saints-Vikings. And in terms of pure entertainment... Did anybody foresee a 45-42 Jags win over the Steelers? The only game that stunk was the Patriots' dismantling of the Tennessee Titans. Three of the four games were really good. Do you know how many people watched? 23 million less people watched the divisional round games of the NFL this past year, this year, as compared to, compared to last year. Down 16% in viewership, despite the fact that the games were outstanding. The NFL right now is totally under siege, and they need a great Super Bowl, and they need some really good AFC and NFC title games in order to bounce back from what has been a devastating year of viewership. And I think a lot of it has to do with mixing politics and football, but you guys know that, that that's my opinion and that obviously other people out there have different opinions and don't necessarily agree with that opinion of mine. But what's better for the league? What's better for the average fan? I think it's Brady going up against 
either the Vikings or the Eagles. I don't think it really matters that much who wins the NFC because you're going to have that underdog. You're going to have that favorite in the in the Patriots, and it doesn't really matter which of those two teams goes. I think personally, if the Vikings advance, it makes for a more entertaining and exciting week because the storyline of the Minnesota Vikings, who haven't won a lot in terms of being in the Super Bowl, certainly not in terms of championships, being able to play that game at home is one that's tough to escape. It's pretty exciting. We'll be live from the Super Bowl for a week. I think the environment at the Super Bowl will be infinitely better if the Vikings are there. So I'm rooting for the Vikings to win because I think it makes the surrounding environment of the Super Bowl just better. Now, the Eagles wouldn't be bad either because the Eagles have a huge loyal fan base and they haven't won anything either. But being in the city where you hope you can pull off an upset potentially over the Patriots would be fantastic. But I think the absolute lack of interest that would exist over a Blake Bortles versus Nick Foles or Case Keenum Super Bowl would be deafening, especially with two weeks to talk about it. Whereas if Brady's coming back and Belichick's there and the Patriots are going for their sixth Super Bowl, I think it would be a hell of a storyline. And I think that probably benefits the NFL much better in the short term. But my question is, this is kind of breaking it down on a short-term versus long-term basis. Is it actually better for the league long-term if they get two non-traditional quarterback superstars going head-to-head because for the next several years, it'll start the season off and you can think, hey, even if we don't have Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or a Matt Ryan or a Cam Newton or a Drew Brees or a Tom Brady, my team still has a champion, a chance to win a championship. Not just to make the playoffs, but a chance to advance once we get to the playoffs and actually win the Super Bowl. I think that's somewhat valuable. Because the NFL used to be the mantra of, on any given Sunday, except it's turned into a little bit of a version of the NBA. The NBA, to me, is almost impossible to watch in the regular season or even until the high rounds of the playoffs if you actually want to have uncertainty as to what's going to happen. Because you know that the teams with the best players are head and shoulders above everybody else. So what's the point of paying attention until probably the semifinals of the NBA at the absolute earliest? Otherwise, you know exactly what's going to happen. And I think the NFL is starting to fall victim a little bit to that because if you look at the last 15 years, you got six or seven teams every year with great quarterbacks with a chance to win the Super Bowl, and everybody else is just trying to figure out whether they've got a great quarterback, they got a young guy, and they're trying to figure out how good he is, or they stink, and they're trying to get in position to draft a quarterback so they can figure out whether or not that guy's going to be good or not. And obviously, there are a lot of teams right now that are going to be desperate for quarterbacks. I saw uh, one of the most recent uh, mock drafts had, I think, six guys going in the first round as quarterbacks. I was like, holy cow, everybody out there is desperate right now. And the first four you can probably think about pretty easy, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, and Baker Mayfield. But this draft also had Lamar Jackson and Mason Rudolph all going in the first round of the NFL draft. That's how desperate people are right now to find quarterbacks. And that's because right now it's a quarterback's league. Now, if Nick Foles and Case Keenum, one of those guys is going to be in the Super Bowl. That's a big upset. But if he goes into the Super Bowl and he gets drilled by Brady, nothing changes about the overall storyline of the NFL. Whereas, if the Jags go on the road and beat the Patriots 
then the storyline changes completely because you got Blake Bortles, the most hated man in the NFL who's never done anything wrong, going up against Foles or Keenum. Is that good for the league? Which way are you rooting? Even if you hate the Patriots, are you rooting for them to advance to the Super Bowl and win the AFC title game? I am. I am. I, I just I don't want the Jacksonville Jaguars helmed up by Blake Bortles to make the Super Bowl because I don't want to talk about a Bortles versus Keenum or a Bortles versus Foles Super Bowl for two weeks. I think we need Brady there. It's like the the line from uh, A Few Good Men. You want you need me on the wall. You want me on the wall. That's what we need. That's where we are right now with the Patriots. We need the Patriots on that wall. We want them on the wall. Otherwise, there's not a lot there. Not a lot of sexiness in this NFL matchup if the Patriots, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady are not advancing. We think you think about this Brady hand injury. I don't know. I just always think that there's nothing to it. But Vegas might think there's something to it. The line in just the last short amount of time has dropped in the last 24 hours. It's dropped from the Patriots as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite to a seven-point favorite. That's a pretty significant line move. Lots of money coming in on the Jags. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. I'm going to be honest with you on Sunday. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. It's a confidence show. I put up a poll question. You guys can go vote in it if you would like. And I do think it's kind of a fascinating question because people say, oh, uh, I hate, uh, you know, so frequently. Oh, I hate um, everything about the Patriots. I can't stand to see the Patriots. Oh, there's no way that I ever want to see the Patriots win. And then the ratings reflect that that's not true at all, that people actually can't get enough of the New England Patriots because they love to hate them. So my question, are you rooting for Brady Belichick and the Patriots to make the Super Bowl, even if you hate them, because a Bortles versus Foles Keenum Super Bowl would suck? I'm actually surprised by this. 66% of you say you are not rooting for the Patriots. Now, I think a large percentage of this is just people not answering the question really. And because effectively, what we could other way you could ask that is, are you rooting for the Jags to win this game? And if the answer is yes, that you're rooting for the Jags to win this game, I wonder if that's going to be different than the poll results. Let me bring in the crew. Is it good or bad for the NFL if it's Blake Bortles versus Nick Foles or Case Keenum in the Super Bowl, Jason Martin? I'm torn um, because I can't cheer for New England. I just I just can't cheer for the Patriots to win football games. But cheering against them in the Super Bowl is a blast. It's always fun, especially when the other option is a pretty milquetoast Jacksonville team nobody really has an opinion on yet. Now, there are some great characters. This is something that maybe we would have to start to take note of, certainly while we're in Minneapolis, if Jacksonville were to pull this upset. There are some great characters on this team, especially on this defense. Jalen Ramsey... Just having him at media day, nobody for the Patriots ever says anything. Jacksonville's defense would do nothing but talk, and there would be a lot of fun stories coming out of that. But nobody sees the Jags yet as the Seahawks on a national level. On the other side, if we don't have the sexy quarterback matchup, if it's Keenum and Bortles or if it's Foles and Bortles, then we start having to pay attention to a lot of other players. That could be better for the league because it has certainly become a quarterback narrative-driven league, even though there are a lot of fantastic players that don't move Vegas lines all that much but are nonetheless extremely important. And maybe if we were paying more attention to everybody on the field, 
that would be better for the NFL long term because then when you have quarterback injuries, people wouldn't tune out the way that they certainly did, at least at some part of the ratings drop, would have to go with a lot of the injuries and some of the quarterbacks with Aaron Rodgers and some of the things that have happened there. So I'm torn because I can't cheer for the Patriots, but at the same time having them in the Super Bowl is advantageous because it gives you that evil empire to root against. I think the league desperately needs the Patriots to win on Sunday night against the Jags. I just I think that if you get a Blake Bortles versus Nick Foles and Case Keenum storyline, it's going to be a disaster because a lot of people, whether they are being honest or not, watch the Patriots to to try to see them lose, and they are the evil empire. They are the Death Star. People want the Patriots to lose, and there would be a little bit of excitement over them losing in the AFC title game and not going to the Super Bowl. But that would pale in comparison when you suddenly realized, wait a minute, there are two weeks now where we talk about the Jags and Blake Bortles going up against either the Eagles and and Nick Foles or the Vikings and Case Keenum. You kind of know what the storyline of this game is going to be likely. It's going to be the upstart, nobody believed in him, NFC champ, whether it's the Eagles or the Vikings, against the Blue Blood dynasty of the Patriots. And that's at least somewhat entertaining. I don't think there's that much entertainment about Jags versus either the Eagles or the Vikings. What about you guys out in L.A.? Don't you think that the NFL desperately needs the Patriots to win? Yeah, Brady would be really good for the casual Super Bowl viewers. You always talk about that guy at the Super Bowl party, Clay, who doesn't know much about sports yes so because there's like like a hundred yeah i always think this is interesting this weekend the nfc and the afc title game will have around i'm guessing 45 million people watch right that's a lot that's a big audience it's a massive audience for this weekend for the afc and the nfc title game the super bowl will have a hundred million or more so think about like everybody who's out there listening to me right now I bet there are very few of you who are not going to watch at least a few minutes of both the AFC and the NFC title game. Think about this guy out there or girl who's not going to watch either the AFC or the NFC title game, and there are 55 million of them, and then is going to come rolling in for the Super Bowl. That's always amazing to me. You don't watch, oh, I'm not willing to watch the semifinals. I'm not willing to watch the AFC and the NFC championship get crowned, uh, but... 50, over 55 million people suddenly show up for the Super Bowl, and that guy or girl doesn't know much about the NFL. Now, but they know Brady, they know Belichick, they know the Patriots because of the last 20 years, basically, of the NFL. They don't know who Case Keenum is. They have no idea who Blake Bortles is. They may not even know that Jacksonville has an NFL franchise because the Jags have never been in that that important of games, at least not going all the way back to 1999. So that, that to me, is the people that they are worried about, that the NFL is worried about producing. And they're particularly worried about producing that audience in a year where their ratings are down double digits, where even as good as their NFC and AFC divisional round playoff games were last weekend, they were down 16%. 23 million fewer people watched the NFL last week as opposed to the year before compared to the divisional round playoff games. That's a big issue. So you're with me, Danny G, yeah. like they need uh, they, Brady they, on that wall. They do, but on the other hand, it's not as good for us hardcore NFL fans because we do want to see some new stars step forward. Now, with all due respect to Patriots fans, I'm so sick of seeing Tom Brady's face 
on the screen. So I, I would like to see some new blood. I think I don't remember, and, and I would love to know if they were ha- if it were happening right now, what the response would be. The last team that was as dominant as this New England Patriot team, in my opinion, was the late 90s Chicago Bulls when they won six out of eight championships. Now, I know the dynasty of the Patriots has been longer, but if they win their sixth, they're equaling Tom Brady is the Michael Jordan sixth that he won with the Bulls, right? And I think that six Super Bowls will probably never be equaled. That's my guess. Probably never be equaled by any other quarterback in the history of the NFL. Like, I think Brady is already competing against himself, basically, that if he can get to six, I don't know, and and seven or whatever his final number is going to be, I don't know that anybody else ever gets there. And I think you guys probably agree with me that he's competing now against his own legacy as opposed to against anybody else. And But I do wonder, I had the sense, and I'm old enough, a lot of people listening to us crazily, aren't even old enough to remember what that was like. But in 1998, when Jordan and the Bulls won their sixth title, when he pushed off Brian Russell, I'm sorry, Salt Lake City, and he stepped back and he drained the jumper in game six to win his sixth NBA championship in eight years, I have the sense that the vast majority of the country was rooting for Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls dynasty. That is, we wanted to see them win We wanted to see that dynasty continue. Most people would have loved to see Jordan ride off into the sunset after making that jumper and never have come back and played for the Washington Wizards. And our final memory of him being him going out on top at the absolute apex of his career as a champion. Now, I don't think his legacy was impacted that much by coming back and playing for the Washington Wizards. Uh, I don't think that the long range, most people even will remember that Washington Wizards tenure for Michael Jordan. But I do think it's interesting that everybody seemed to be rooting back in the day for Jordan and the Bulls, and I don't think anybody's rooting for the Patriots and Tom Brady. Now, maybe that's because of the Spygate controversy. Maybe that's because of Deflategate. This idea that the Patriots are just right on the edge of, if not beyond, the rules of the game, which there were certainly never any suggestion of about the Chicago Bulls. But I also wonder whether the dislike for the Patriots has to do with an era where everything moves so quickly and the Patriots have been so consistent. In other words, think about the way we cover stories. It's almost impossible for a story to last more than a day. On this show, how often... Do we open one show on, let's say, like Thursday's show with the story and then open on Friday with the exact same story? Not very often. We've got a president right now who can create stories amazingly every single day. I mean, people are talking about what Donald Trump said about immigration, still some, but he's also got a porn star controversy now. (laughs) I mean, and and who knows what will happen today later in the day that'll also now become a story. There are so many stories that all happen so quickly. I wonder if people would have tired out of the Chicago Bulls if the Bulls had been playing in this era. I think that the era of dynasties was more embraced back before the new cycle got so accelerated. Does that make sense to you guys out there? Because 
people weren't rooting against Jordan. People weren't rooting against the Bulls. I was. Yeah, but you're an, you're an exception. The vast majority, like right now, I'm saying, are you rooting for Brady and Belichick and the Patriots to make the Super Bowl, even if you hate them, because a Bortles versus Foles Keenum Super Bowl would suck? Nearly 70% of people are saying that they are rooting against the Patriots to make the Super Bowl. When Michael Jordan and the Bulls were playing the Indiana Pacers in the Eastern Conference Finals in Game 7 in 1998, the vast, vast majority of people in the country were not rooting for the Indiana Pacers to upset the Bulls in Game 7 and advance to play against the Jazz. As entertaining as Reggie Miller was, as much as you might have liked the Pacers, leaving aside Indianapolis, where I'm sure everybody's rooting for the Pacers, that's normal, you root for your local team, everybody was on the side of the Bulls. And I wonder whether that would change if the Bulls were around now. Because I don't think the hater gene had really taken off yet. When I was a kid growing up all the way through high school, really in the pre-internet era, there weren't haters. Like the hater gene didn't really take off. The internet kind of has allowed the hater gene to flourish for people to combat excellence. Think about it in your own life. It was so rare that anybody criticized the Bulls or Michael Jordan for anything during the apex of the Bulls' absolute domination of the NBA. Now LeBron is the quintessential like getting ripped guy, but there's also a lot of people out there who hate the Warriors. They don't like Draymond Green. Oh, Kevin Durant's a turncoat for making the decision to leave. And obviously, the Patriots and Tom Brady are universally disliked. I think the only, like if you did a map right now of who are people rooting for, the Patriots or the Jags, the Jags would win like 47 or 48 of the 50 states right now. And it's not the Jags winning because the Jags are a particularly likable group of people. It's just because they are playing against the Patriots. What do you guys think uh, in general about my thesis there? You're saying, like, you're always trying to play the devil's advocate here. Oh, I hated the Bulls. 90% of people like the Bulls. That's just not true, Clay. Yes, I truly don't believe that at all. Yes. Everybody roots against dynasties. No. They might want them in the finals Everybody, quietly at home, but they hold root on. against them. Open phone lines right now. Were you rooting for the Bulls or the Jazz in 1998? Everybody out there listening to us right now, in by like and I'm again I don't want to hear from Pacer fans or Jazz fans because obviously you're going to root for your favorite local team. Jordan was like a 75 or 80% people rooting for the Bulls. Like, I want to go to LA. Are you with me here, Danny G, that the vast majority of people back in 1998 were rooting for Jordan and the Bulls to win? No, Clay, I'm not. I mean, you he, guys are he, totally he, listen, lost on this one. No, this is one where I'm a no, billion no, 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 percent sure that I'm no, right because he you're fried wrong. so yeah, many totally teams. Wrong. If you if you rooted for any team yes. in the Eastern Conference, you hated Michael Jordan's no. cuts. You're not yes, rooting you for Phoenix the Phoenix fans. No, hold on. Not get the he gained your heart out. I'm going to put this poll out. You're going to lose. It's going to be 75 percent rooting at least. For Michael Jordan and the Bulls. No, we you guys respected him. Each other. Your polls are skewed because you have all your ball washers 
voting in, in favor of whatever Amen. you want them to you vote are for. Totally, you guys right are time. totally – now I'm so – oh, I'm so powerful. People are afraid to disagree with me. This <laughs> is a you joke. you talk about is how powerful you are. I am powerful, but the idea that – you read my mentions. The idea that people out there no. just are going to agree with me because I'm me is the most laughably absurd thing out there. That Twitter and social media is the king of – no matter what you say, people are going to disagree. I remember, I, I've said this for a long time, like early on in Twitter when I was like, man, there are a lot of losers out there. I went on Twitter and I was like, man, I love Cobbler. And somebody's like, you suck. Cobbler sucks. And I'm like, wait a minute. Who doesn't like sugar mixed with fruit mixed with bread? If Maybe you don't like Cobbler, lobby. like you are an awful human being, but like you can come on and say the most innocuous thing imaginable. You know, like... It's fun to jump in a swimming pool, and people will be like, I hate swimming pools. Or the beach is really fun. I guess if you like sand in the sun, you know, like it doesn't matter what you say, somebody out there is going to immediately, like I could give you any opinion. I can give you any opinion right now. Like what is the most popular thing in America today? Like if you had to go to war over what is the most popular thing in America today, what would that be? What are the most people like? Money. Money. Money is like, okay, if I went on Twitter right now and I was like, it's good to be rich, somebody would immediately say, no, money's overrated. (laughs) It doesn't matter what it is. That's what I'm talking about. The hater generation, social media has allowed it to flourish because anything that's good, there's somebody who has to be the J-Mart of the world and be like, "Uh uh-uh, it sucks. Doesn't matter what it is. Like I can come on and okay. say, like nobody's Game of Thrones. saying Michael Jordan sucks. Though. No, you can everybody respect him. Rooting that doesn't mean you're Michael rooting Jordan. for him. No. If you compare you can Michael Jordan and in 1998 to Tom Brady in 2018, there are infinitely more people who are rooting for Jordan and the Bulls dynasty for them to win their sixth title than are rooting right now for Brady to win his sixth title with the Patriots. It's not even remotely close. Not even remotely close. You guys argue with each other for a minute while I put this poll question up. Just Well, actually, we're going to break. All right, so I'll put the poll question up. You can find me on Twitter, at Clay Travis. You can also weigh in, 877-996-6369. Do you dispute this? Do you dispute the fact that there are infinitely more people that rooted for Michael Jordan in 1998 than are rooting for Brady and the Patriots in 2018? Yeah, I agree with that. Do you agree with that, Jason Martin, or are you going to play devil's advocate here, too? I'm taking phone calls, Clay. The first one came in and agreed 100% with me and said Justin Cooper, were you even alive in 1998? Yes. <laughs> what year were you born? 88. Oh, 88. So do you remember 1988, 1998? Yeah, that was the that was the height of my 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 glory days. That you were like a child star then. You should count for like 100 people. Who were you rooting for? Jordan or the or the or the Jazz? I mean, like I, I liked Jordan, but I mean, I was a fan of you know a Western Conference team. So I, I, my my argument is that if you were a fan of any Eastern Conference team, you hated Michael Jordan because it meant you had no chance to get into the finals. I disagree completely with that. I think you, people people appreciated excellence back then, and you didn't judge your team for not being excellent. Like you do now, you were like, hey, it's just Jordan G- Jordan's league. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Joined now by my guy Lance Taylor, 94.5 Jocks down in Birmingham at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. LT, you were a big NBA fan back, I know, in the Jordan-era Bulls teams. And what we've talked about so far to start the show is an interesting question. 
Why did, in 1998, just about everybody root for the Jordan-era Bulls to win their sixth title against the Utah Jazz? On my poll, about 70% of people admitting that they were rooting for Jordan and the Bulls to win. Whereas about now, about 70% of people are rooting against the Patriots to win their sixth title. Is that a function of the difference in sports in 1998 and 2018? Or how would you distinguish why people like Jordan and don't like Brady? Why they liked the Bulls and Phil Jackson and don't like Belichick and the Patriots? I just think there was something about Michael Jordan. Um, and here's the thing, Clay. It's kind of weird because I'm on the other side of it. And I just grew up a huge Lakers fan. And maybe because the baton was kind of passed in that 1990 NBA Finals where Michael Jordan kind of dominated the L.A. Lakers and, Mike, and Magic Johnson. I just was never a Bulls guy. And I pulled against them. I pulled for the Sonics against them. I pulled for the Jazz against them. It didn't work as much as I pulled against them. Uh, I respect greatness, but I do get fatigued. And look, and being right here in the middle of the SEC, um, I see it with Alabama. And I understand why the rest of the country pulls against Nick Saban in Alabama. And uh, it's one of the reasons I'll be pulling against the New England Patriots on Sunday. Uh, Again, I respect it. But, I mean, it is insane when we're talking about a team in the NFL and three of the four teams playing this weekend had losing records last year, but one of those teams that is playing in the New England Patriots has been to seven consecutive conference championship games. Um, that's that's impossible. It is a remarkable achievement. Do you think that if Jordan were playing today, let's say that like the Patriots had been the, the franchise that was going for their sixth title in 1998, and Brady had been that age that Jordan is, and Jordan was playing now, and the Bulls were in the position that they are now, how much less would people be rooting for Jordan now just because 2018 is a lot different than 98? Because you say like a lot of people love Jordan and everything else, but I yeah. think what would happen today is, first of all, if Jordan just disappeared for two years after his dad got killed, the internet would have been awash in incredibly details and conspiracy theories and everything else about the fact that he was getting suspended from the NBA, which may have actually happened. But certainly it would have been almost impossible to cover up a story like that in any kind of way. Jordan being out gambling all hours every night would have been on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. The fact that he got divorced and had all these mistresses all over the country, he would have gotten Tiger Woods how much less popular would Michael Jordan be in 2018 than he was in 1998? Well, I'm glad you brought up Tiger Woods because I think that's the ultimate example. I mean, Tiger Woods was a guy that everyone loved. And, you know, once the, the flaws were shown and we saw some cracks in the foundation, everybody piled on. And I think it's the exact same thing you would see with Michael Jordan because you're right. Jordan had his vices big time. I mean, I think everyone to a degree has their vices. But Michael Jordan, we just remember the smile and the Gatorade commercials and Nike, and he was just the all-American guy that could do no wrong. Uh, but in today's society, uh, we find out what is wrong, and that's what's kind of amazing about Tom Brady. And I know you said this about LeBron James in the past, um, and I kind of go back and forth with LeBron again. I respect greatness. Sometimes I like LeBron, and sometimes he bothers me because he's so sensitive. But a guy like Tom Brady and LeBron James, those guys don't get in any trouble, and we really don't see the vices. I mean, Tom Brady, the biggest vice he's got is his ridiculous diet. Um, well, he has the Bridget. Remember, he had the kid out of wedlock with Bridget Moynihan, if you want to be really like aggressive about going after him, right? And then he yeah, ended up statute, with Giselle. Statute of limitations. What was that, a decade ago? Yeah, it was a long, it was a long time. Over that, I think. But, I mean, I yeah. Mean, just look, let me he ask had, you this. 
if you were Tom Brady, even being married to Giselle, how much trouble would you get in? <laughs> oh, I mean, the fact that he goes to bed every night at 8 o'clock and doesn't eat tomatoes and, like, sleeps in hyperbaric chambers and all this stuff that he does to try to make sure that he can play football forever. Uh, I mean, I think Giselle said he loves football more than me, which is, by the way, a pretty incredible quote to have out there because a lot of wives would be, like, not comfortable saying that. But I think that's true, and, and, and I think you're right. Like, by and large, if you look at Brady and LeBron, What's the worst thing you can say about either of them? You can say about Brady, okay, 15 years ago, he had a relationship with, I think it was Bridget Moynihan, and he left her, and they had a kid together, and they didn't get married, and like, okay, maybe that's a little bit scandalous that he ended up with another woman. I don't even know what the most scandalous thing you can say about LeBron is. I guess maybe every now and then he gets busted sliding into girls' DMs on Instagram. Um, I'm trying to think, like, uh, obviously, like you said, he's very sensitive to criticism. But by and large, LeBron and Brady both have many less skeletons in their closet, at least that we know of, than Michael Jordan does. I mean, I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah, no, there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that is child's play compared to the stories we've heard about Michael Jordan, no doubt. And so I wonder what the vibe would be on Jordan if he were playing now in 2018 as opposed to getting away with what he got away with in 1998. And also, everything about Jordan we were not cynical for. He was the first for so much. He was the first athlete to really become a brand. You know, Air Jordan, Gatorade, McDonald's. Like, the way that he sold products was new to us, and so we weren't cynical about them. Like, nobody, when an Air Jordan came out, even if it was a crappy Air Jordan, Nobody was able to go on social media and crush it like they crushed Steph Curry's shoe, right? Like, because we've been there and seen the shoes, and so he was the first, and we weren't cynical about, oh, this is an athlete trying to make money by selling us stuff. We were like, oh, this new Nike commercial is awesome. Oh, look at this McDonald's commercial where Larry Bird and Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson, I think it was, are having a contest to shoot, you know, to play horse, right? I mean, it was all so fresh and so new. Whereas now, everybody's having to push back against that whole idea of an athlete as a brand. You know, if you were one of those guys, though, and, and I think one of the things is, I think people get upset because they feel like they get sold a bill of goods with a Tiger Woods or a Michael yeah. Jordan once you find out. And that's a good point. Let me say, like, Michael, it's not just that Tiger Woods cheated on his wife. It's that he cheated on his wife, and everybody saw her when he would win a major and come off the golf course and kiss her, and like his kids are there, and everything else. Everybody's like, oh, that's a great all-American family. And they feel like they were sold a bill of goods. I don't ever remember seeing Michael Jordan's wife any way in the public. Just like you don't really ever see Peyton Manning's wife. Like, I mean, how many times have you seen her? I feel like the Tiger Woods, they tried to sell him as the all-American family. That might be a little bit also because golf is the most conservative of all the sports. So, the, you know, the guy who's the average golfer making decisions is more conservative than probably the fan of any other sport would be. See, I would like to be the athlete that doesn't have any expectation. Uh, the great athlete like a Charles Barkley. I mean, when Charles Barkley... Barkley would be so trouble, much more... Yeah, it's a great... Yeah, Barkley I mean, would be so much more popular that. now. He and, was ahead of his time. And I'll tell you another guy. I mean, you think about Joe Namath back in the day. It was cool that Joe Namath was hanging out with mobsters and he had a million girls and, you know, he was doing different things. Uh, so I mean, I would be—I would rather be one of those guys that was already flawed, that was accepted, that people actually gravitated towards because they had kind of a dark side. 
Yeah, well, also, the other answer there is just don't get married. Because Derek Jeter got celebrated for sleeping with everybody who was famous under the stars. I mean, I think they couldn't do it now because Twitter would lose their mind. But remember, like, a decade ago, ESPN did an entire baseball field of the hottest girls that Jeter had dated. And that and was I actually really. I can't real- figure out which one. I mean, who was your it, number one on that list? Oh, I mean, I mean I there's lean been. Mika Kelly, but I'm not even positive. Mika Kelly was incredible. He dated Jessica Alba, didn't he? Like, I mean. Yeah, Jessica I, like, Bill, all of them. Uh, the girl from uh, the girl from uh, Friday Night Lights, whose name's escaping me, Mika Kelly. Oh, you said Mika yeah, Kelly. Mika Kelly yeah. yeah, I mean, like the, the the list was. I mean, it was an incredible list. But it, it, it's funny if you're a single guy and you do that, everybody's like, "Man, Jeter's awesome." The minute he gets married and gets caught with any other girl anywhere, then he's the biggest dog on the planet, right? It's funny how the the rules like are. You know, as long as you're a single guy, you can get away with anything. Um, but the moment that you get, or divorced for that matter, like even if you even if you don't stay married, if you get divorced, like everything's fair game. The minute you get married and get caught like out to dinner with anybody, it turned like remember A Rod? A Rod got caught like just walking down the streets with some girl holding hands, and it was like, oh my god, A Rod's the worst human being ever. Um, and uh, now he seems to be making up for it with J Lo, who doesn't age, but still, it's a uh, it's an it's an incredible kind of dichotomy there. So. Having said all this, the reason we led into this debate is my argument is the NFL desperately needs the Patriots and Tom Brady to beat the Jags because otherwise we've got Blake Bortles against Nick Foles or Case Keenum and the NF- the Super Bowl is just going to be awful potentially. Are you with me that the NFL desperately needs the Patriots, Brady, and Belichick in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think they do, obviously, for eyeballs. I mean, we're talking about Blake Bortles, a guy that's won less than 35% of his games in his career. Um, so I, I don't think the Jaguars, I mean, you look at it, they can't even sell out their venue um, with, with a team that's now in the AFC Championship game. So, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of people that would be excited about the Jags playing in their first ever Super Bowl. Um, I'm caught on the other side again. I've got New England fatigue. Uh, I, I respect greatness, and maybe it would be better if New England gets there and the winner, Vikings, Eagles, everybody in the world pulls for, you know, the winner of the NFC against New England. Um, I think that's I'm a much better. I think that's the best storyline. But so let me ask you this: Why does everybody hate Blake Bortles? Like because I, we talked about this yesterday on the show, and I'm I'm guilty of this too. When I watch Blake Bortles play, when I was watching them play against the Steelers. I was rooting for him to throw like four straight interceptions on four straight passes. I wanted him to blow up in a negative way. And then after the game, I was sitting back and I was like, why am I rooting against Blake Bortles? What has he ever done? He's never really had any statement. He's never done anything off the field. On the field, he's just kind of the quintessential, mediocre, not very good quarterback in the NFL, of which there are tons of them. Why has he become so unlikable? You know, I, I don't know. It's it's a great question because if you Google his girlfriend, I, I think uh, you would respect him immediately. Lindsay Duke. Um, I mean, she's got uh, she's got incredible boobs, and as a boobs guy, I mean, I'm a huge fan. I, I know you're that guy. Um, but <laughs> we, we pull for the underdog typically in America, and I mean, this is the ultimate underdog situation. Right. I mean, when you com- when you combine Bortles, Keenum, and Foles, these are guys that have got five career postseason touchdowns going against the guy that is making his 36 career postseason start. And Tom Brady. I mean, Blake Bortles, and I think we discredit what he was able to do in 2017. Look, there were some ups and downs, but Clay, the bottom line is he was 4 0 head to head this season against Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. 2 0 against Ben Roethlisberger. He beat Joe Flacco. He beat Russell Wilson. I mean, I just think we really have discounted his season, and the Jacksonville defense has been fantastic. Fournette's been really good as a rookie. Um, 
but yeah, I just don't know why we hate Bortles, and we should be pulling for the underdog. I mean, this is David Burtz's Goliath. Yeah, and if this were the NCAA tournament, everybody would be rooting for Blake Bortles, and he would be a lovable underdog. But right, instead, this is Butler I, Duke in the national championship exactly. that we saw what eight nine years ago. Exactly, and it's the same thing um, where Gordon Hayward almost banked in the shot there, which had been one of the most incredible uh, wins of all time. You know, as he was coming down the court, um, but it would it would be an incredible moment, I think, in general, if for either Case Keenum, Blake Bortles, or certainly Nick Foles to beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, or for Bortles to beat him in the AFC title game. Yet I feel like I would hate to see that. And, and, I, and it, it is everything that, that we say we like about sports rolled into one of those three guys, yet I think most people are like, yeah, I don't really want to see that. Well, I, I think you're a little skewed because I've got a feeling that you're going to be laying the seven. Oh, um, I'm, all, I'm all in on the Patriots, yeah. Yeah, and see, and I'm an idiot. I mean, I should know this before. I mean, Tom Brady's 18-3 and all-time at home in the playoffs. You're playing a, a Jacksonville team that's playing with house money just getting to an AFC championship game, and um, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be taking the points here. I think I'm going to play the Jags. What about the other game, Vikings and the Eagles? Which side do you like? Well, you know, I tried to get um, a, a, a price on Vikings to win the Super Bowl before the New, or- New Orleans game, and, you know, I would have gone completely gray um, yeah. letting out that game, and I didn't get it before. Um, I've just got a feeling Minnesota's going to win this whole thing, and Case Keenum scares me to death, um, but I just think their defense is that good. Um, I think it's going to be another difficult game, but, you know, I've just got a feeling Nick Foles will implode in this situation. The Vikings defense will win that game. I, I like the fact that it's dropped to three, buy it down to two and a half if Anybody will ever let you buy off three again in the NFL. But I kind of like the Vikings. I like the Jags. And uh, I'm sure the Patriots will win, though. But I think more than likely, we will have a New England-Minnesota Super Bowl. Good stuff, my man. We will talk to you. By the way, what would you think about my guy, Jason Martin, not making it into work with the quarter inch of snow on the ground? Pathetic. You know, we had one of our producers, and we had less than that. uh, Where we are, and he didn't make it in a couple of days ago. I guess if anybody has an excuse... Um, I guess in today's you know soft society, if anybody sends out the uh, the email, hey, look, use good judgment. Yeah. Um, if you don't think you can make it in, I think that's a, a free pass for a lot of people out there. No doubt at all. Uh, Lance Taylor, go follow him on Twitter at the Lance Taylor. You can listen to him ninety four five Jocks down in Birmingham. Good stuff, my man. A woke report every single morning from the six p.m. Sports Center with Jabell Hill and Michael Smith. Okay, so this is one day in, and I think they say your first couple of weeks in jail are the worst, and I certainly hope so, because this was not a very good television show. The problem is this woke port has a pro- has an issue in that it really wasn't very woke. It was just not good television. They talked about Tom Brady's hand. They talked about LeBron James and the Cavaliers' struggles. They talked about the NFL draft. They brought on Michael B. Jordan for an interview about Black Panther. They also had Chadwick Boseman, who's actually playing the title character earlier this week. Michael Smith referred to it as, quote, we're chopping it up with Michael B. Jordan coming up, unquote. It was just a never-ending parade for an hour of on-site field reports, split-screen So they had the guy who's starring in Black Panther on to talk during the 6 o'clock Sports Center. so they're basically just using this 6 o'clock Sports Center now as an advertisement for Marvel movies. Uh, yeah, but I mean, they, I think they do that pretty regularly, and they even did it before SC6. They would have stars on. I don't know if Michael B. Jordan was all over ESPN doing the car wash yesterday or not, but they've had two stars of that movie on this week. So clearly, 
It's in their best interest I haven't ever, Marvel I haven't ever watched this show, but it is, I've been told, the worst show that ESPN's ever done. Was it a bad show? It was terrible. Uh, like I said, split-screen interviews from all four NFL practices, all the NBA arenas with people... You know, you know some of those field reporters. You don't know others. It's not particularly interesting. Neither one is particularly good at asking questions. They have Mel Kuyper in studio with an early mock where he made news yesterday, and it was all over ESPN that saying that the Browns are going to take Josh Allen number one. That he's by far the best quarterback that's coming out. That became a huge story, and that kind of makes me think it's not legitimate. It's badly lit. It was focused on being different rather than being good. Look, they're two smart peoples, but neither one's a host. Jamel stumbled through questions. A few times, neither drove the bus. There was dead air. They didn't know when to start talking. There were odd camera cuts. One caught Jamel in the middle of her laptop during an interview, not looking at the camera, not paying attention to the guest. There were shots that were actually out of focus that snapped into focus when they realized the zoom was off, and it wasn't some artistic move. It was this camera's in the wrong spot when we cut to it, which is incredible. Michael B. Jordan was put on the screen and they were talking about him right before they put him on in the next segment. They were previewing it. He was on Twitter on his phone, not even looking at him, and they were screaming at him, hey, look up, look up, like on the screen. He didn't know they were previewing the interview with him. Nobody cued him into that. He figured it out about two seconds before they went to break. Jamel Hill discussed the 6-10 to 10 picks in Mel's mock draft while the graphic on screen only showed 1-5. through five. So a total mismatch of information. She didn't even run down one through five. She immediately said, let's talk about six through ten when that wasn't on the screen. And then she would say things that were very analytical like, there's some big interesting names here. So again, they had problems filling air that wasn't word for word on the script. And then in their final segment, they do what's called an it's a good day deal. And they used that yesterday to congratulate Antoinette Harris, who was offered a scholarship by Bethany College in NAIA school. She becomes the first woman to earn a scholarship to play football that's not a kicker. She's a free safety. I actually thought, cool, hope she's good. It means people are going to pay attention to Bethany College on ESPN this coming year, but they congratulated her to end. Here's the overall thought from day one. This show sucks. It feels like it should be on at midnight because it so desperately wants to be cutting edge, but it's in the 6 p.m. time slot where you really just need a good host that can ask these guests that are on screen for two or three minutes good questions. It tries to move relatively fast, but it's terrible because it's awkward and neither one of them is in the role that they should be in. There is your woke port for this Friday. Only 29 more days. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. <laughs> 